0: What's crazy? I'll tell you what's crazy. Sitting next to the airplane lavatory on a cross country flight. That's crazy. Nobody wants to sit there. You know, sure as hell, I didn't want to sit there. Sadly, I did sit there. And here's how it was 10 years ago, before a pandemic made the entire plane a recycled respiratory petri dish of COVID 19. But back to the story. I can only blame the baggage handlers. I guess they were shooting heroin or dice, whatever it was, on the tarmac in Nashville. Whatever they were doing was making them extraordinarily slow, loading my family's bags. I guess it's difficult to mainline hard narcotics and stay on schedule. And because everything in the airline industry is a broken domino, in a massive geometric pattern of other broken dominoes, any delay for any reason begins a chain reaction of time loss that not even Einstein could theorize. And so it began. We took off 25 minutes behind schedule. Now you'd think that somewhere along the 2,500-mile route we could make up this time. Nope, not gonna happen. The pilot promised that he'd find that extra airspeed. He came right on the intercom. He promised. He said he'd make up for the heroin baggage handlers who forgot how to load the belly of the plane. I think he stopped the cocktail party on the flight deck just long enough to tell us what we all needed to hear. Uh, sorry about the delay, folks, he said over the barely audible intercom. We'll try and make it up for you in the air. Click, and that's it. Not so much as a kiss goodnight. It was a wham-bam-thank-you-ma'am kind of moment. Just leave the money on the nightstand and get out. I could only imagine the pilots laughing in the cocktail lounge in the front of the plane strippers performed high-altitude lap dances on top of delicate instrumentation. I mean, we only had 25 minutes between flights to start with. Who the hell connects flights with only 25 minutes to spare? Houdini couldn't have made this trick work. Honestly, I really don't blame the pilots. I blame Southwest Airlines. How can you schedule a family of five onto a connecting flight from the other side of the country with only 25 minutes of buffer time stupid. Is this what air travel has come to? A mile-high crap game of, I sure hope they make it. Think about it. You have to fly 2,500 miles. That's the easy part. If there are no mid-air medical emergencies or bird strikes or drunk guys trying to take off their clothes, or nowadays someone coughing bloody COVID through their mask, well, if you're lucky, you'll actually land at the appointed airport. You know the deal. 25 minutes, it goes by pretty damn quick. To the jetway. You have to wait for every loser in front of you to stand up and remove oversized luggage from the overhead bin. You have to shuffle up to the jetway, and you gotta hope that the ramp assistant is not up there looking at disabled person into some kind of weird wheelchair. One old guy in a wheelchair that could easily bring down this house of cards. Then you have to get to the terminal, locate your next gate. to stuff themselves into another flying tube. Meanwhile, another set of stoned luggage handlers in a new city, in a new time zone, has to go into the belly of your icy cold plane and find the little pink transfer ticket that only says S-J-O. That stands for San Jose, by the way. They have to pull these bags and get them onto a cart, then send them to the flight heading to San Jose. 25 minutes. David Blaine can play chess underwater it's just a mistake of execution and corporate practice. Now getting off the plane takes several precious minutes. We've discussed the jetway. Hey, watch out wheelchair, dude. And by this time, my family is sprinting up the 45 degree slope. We hit the terminal and locate the next gate. Hurry Look up and seemingly every seat is filled. Every eye is staring at me. Hundreds of angry eyes. They're burning with death glares. I can read their thoughts. So these are the people who are holding us up? Sit down already. Why are we waiting on these fools? I can see their thoughts in the air. If stairs were Chinese fighting stars, we'd be cut to ribbons. There are a smattering of seeds scattered throughout the cabin. I can read the stares of the people who were long ago buckled in. Terrorist. Don't pawn your kids off on us. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? So I find two seats midway back. These taken? I ask. The man shakes his head. No. He has a frustrated look. I give him a stare. Was this guy for real? Two golden seats? Two empty seats? Did he actually think he was going to be seated all by himself? I put my wife and the 10 year old there. I continue fighting my way back. The deeper I go, the thicker the funk in the air. I see two. gasoline on my fire. Sir, we really must ask you to take your seat so we can get pushed away from the gate. I look around for a Chinese fighting star to throw at her head. Sounds great, I say. You find my two kids and me a seat and blast off, lady. She doesn't like my tone. That's okay. I don't like her. I find the 17-year-old and 14-year-old two seats together. into the jungle without a compass. The sun is blotted out by a thick canopy of humanity and soil deodorant and frustration. I gaze into the weary faces of these travelers. They remind me of people coming to America for the first time, waiting to catch their first glimpse of the Statue of Liberty. The seats are crammed with people who look like they drive a small circus car for a living. Aisle 28, freaks. Aisle 29, genetic mutants. Prisoners, And so it goes, the deeper I walk into the entrails of this virus tube. Miscreants, 'er ne'er-do-wells, and now the criminally insane. Finally, sit here, sir, the flight attendant says angrily. Her gaze is harsh as she directs me to sit in the aisle seat one row from the bulkhead. Is this seat taken, I ask? There's an older Indian couple seated beside the window and middle seat. She's wearing a large, colorful headscarf and brightly flowered robes. He's dressed like my 8th grade science teacher except he has no pocket protector. His hair is slicked back. It's jet black. I don't know if he's greasy or just applied a tube of Vaseline to his scalp. He says something to me in a foreign language. It flows out of his mouth like gumballs drunk on cheap vodka. I sit and quickly build up. Within 30 seconds I discover that this sea comes with territorial rights. The armrest is his, or so he thinks. I stick my elbow on the armrest. I'm met with the bony resistance of an angry Indian man's form. It won't budge. He's looking at his wife and angrily saying something in his native tongue. His wife is only four inches away, but he's almost hollering. I'm sure they're talking about me. I don't speak whatever language this is, but I'm now sure, having known this angry man for 49 seconds, that he hates me. To the death over this freaking armrest I take a deep breath And wait for the angry rant to end I wonder how this trip suddenly became a scene For a slumdog millionaire Meets planes, trains, and petri dishes gone wild I can't help but wonder if my three bags Made the lengthy baggage trek From gate five all the way to gate three With southwest mutants handling the luggage Nothing is guaranteed Did they use a GPS to find it? I think to myself The plane takes off There's a lot of vibration. The jet engines are so loud, it sounds like a hairdryer hooked up to my eardrum. Everything in the galley behind me is rumbling. The only good news is, the slumdog millionaire game show host next to me, who's still yelling, by the way, he's temporarily being drowned out by the jet engines. There seems to be more funk back here in the backside of the plane. There seems to be more... And sneezing, also back here. It's like I'm in a third world nation, and this is the line to get free UNICEF food. Once we get to 10,000 feet, the pilot takes off the seatbelt sign. Like Jack in the Boxes, saggy ass Americans start popping up. Stretch pants and velcro and neon colored clothes that shouldn't be produced, no less worn. I think roaring engines and crying babies. The noise back here is simply overwhelming. A guy too rose up his coughing. This is before COVID, but there's still Ebola and Legionnaires and you name it now floating through the cabin. I want this guy to stop. Every journey expels is traveling at a thousand miles a second and it's being directed back into my nasal cavity. I feel like this is a giant aluminum test tube and we are incubating a new strain of swine stop breathing in this man's breath, but sadly, it's the only air that Southwest will provide me. The line for the bathroom now begins forming. This is atrocious. One after another, people who carried on five-gallon jugs of Starbucks coffee begin moving to the back of the plane to relieve themselves. They waddle down the aisle. They touch every seat. It's a filthy train. Then I hear the noise that will mark this flight. Whoosh! the incredible vacuum sound from behind the door. One after another, people slam the door. The door locks. Give it a minute or two, and then whoosh, and then comes the overwhelming smell of Febreze and human stench dancing a death tango in the air. It's a terrible odor created by one lavatory being abused by too many excretory systems. Whoosh. It's as if swine flu is gurgling in I search the seat back cushion for a vomit bag. There's none. I swallow.